Everybody good? This don't sound hot, Donna. So I done did all my yelling. I can't yell no more. I hurt my voice. (laughs) So when you come to this church, you might get yelled at, but it's a good way. My daddy used to yell at me every morning, Get up out of that bed! (laughs) So I was used to that. So if you're not used to that, I'm sorry you're not used to it, but we all do need to wake up more and more. So I wanted to share with you this morning... um, let me read this scripture to you, Matthew nine seventeen. I will start out with that. Those guys, y'all read nine seventeen. Anyways, I'll, y'all know this scripture. I'll just go ahead. It says, uh, do, "Nor do they put new wine into old wine skins, or else the wine skin breaks, the wine is spilled, and the wine skins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved." <clears throat> so I share with you for two weeks in a row about um, a, a statement that Ruth Ward Heflin said is that the church has lost her saltiness. Therefore, there's not a hunger, there's not a thirst in the people in the world. There's not even a thirst in the people of God many times um, for the things of God. And, and I described to you last week how in the Bible days they would, a wineskin, that they didn't want to have to go out and kill a goat every time they one of the new wineskins, they would take their old wineskins and there was a way that they had to renew those wineskins to make them new. And one of the things, it was a two-step process, basically. They would take those wineskins and they would soak them in a vat of salt water. They would soak them in a vat of salt water. And then after they'd soaked them for a while, they would take them and rub them down with fresh new oil. And they would be like brand new wineskins, flexible again, able to take, take in new wine. And I shared with you how I felt the Lord, that's really what the Lord's been trying to do with us as a church. Because when the Lord moves, if we, here's what we do many times when the Lord moves, especially when the Lord comes in a way that's not typical. It doesn't fit our paradigm, our spiritual paradigm, and we have nowhere to put that. So we just sort of look at it, maybe we enjoy it for a bit, but we sort of move on because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit us. And, and the reason it doesn't fit us is because our wineskin, it doesn't fit into our wineskin. Because our wineskin is an old wineskin. So we, we just move on and stay the way we are. And we miss what God is doing, miss what God wants to do. So what the Lord has been doing, and I shared with you last week about soaking prayer. as a, a method of praying where you actually soak which is better known as contemplative prayer, and how God really uses that, and that is a picture of being soaked in salt water. That's a picture of that's what soaking prayer is, is a picture of being soaked in salt water, how God is trying to resalt us and make us the salt of the earth in a fresh way again. Yeah. Not that we not the salt of earth, but we've lost our salt. That's obvious. Nobody has any thirst really. The world is not thirsting for what the church is saying. But God wants to make the world thirsty for what we're saying. But we have to become, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, salt my tongue. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be 100% honest this morning. Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit today? Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit today? Truly. Because if you're truly a thirsty man, will get his thirst satisfied one way or the other. People will drink dirty water when they're really ultra-thirsty. Just satisfied to quench the thirst in their mouth. And so, really, that's what it really takes. It takes us being that like that with the Lord. If you're really thirsty, you will do whatever it takes to get that thirst satisfied. And if you're not thirsty, you can do this. You can do this right now. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I confess to you. Pray it with me. Father, I confess to you. Come on, if you're thirsty, confess me. Don't sit there and just act like you in church. You want to just sit around and sleep through this. You can't do this. Father, I confess to you. I am not thirsty. I ask you to salt my tongue. Give me a thirst for the Holy Spirit. Because I need the Holy Spirit. Because He was sent from heaven to represent you and to represent Jesus Christ. And I thank you today that you're going to make me real thirsty. For the thirst for the world 
for the thirst of the world and other things will no longer satisfy me. Only you will satisfy me. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, um, salt has lots of properties, as you well know. Number one, it has a preservative property. You know, they used to use salt. They still use it to, to cure meat. And, and God wants to preserve us in this world. That's part of what he's doing when we soak in the Lord. He wants to preserve you every day of your life, preserve you spotless and blameless, preserve you from sin, preserve you from evil. It also has a uh, healing property. Back in the old days, they would use salt on wounds, and it drives infections out. So we see how the Lord's been healing people's hearts. There's been a lot of heart healing. There's also uh, been other kinds of healings, like the man who was healed of cancer by being prayed for in our church. Isn't that awesome? That is very awesome. So there's a healing property. It also has cleansing properties. Back in the ancient days, when a baby was born, they would actually use salt to cleanse the baby. You know, when a baby comes out of the womb, it's got, you know, all that stuff on them, and they would actually use the salt to cleanse the baby. So it's a cleansing thing. The Lord's been cleansing people from, from stuff that's in their life that shouldn't be in their life. And it also has flavoring properties. Flavoring properties. That gives us a flavor. God wants to flavor us. Every, every Christian should have a very unique flavor. Every church should have a unique flavor. And God really wants to, to flavor us by soaking us in His Spirit. So those are some of the things the Lord's doing, but that's just part of the process. There's another part of the process is where they re- rub this fresh oil into the wineskin. Now, Again, let me just tell you some, some, fra- some properties of oil. Is oil has a uh, fragrance properties, okay? In other words, you know, different oils smell different ways. You can smell cooking oil, like canola oil. It smells one way. Olive oil smells another way. There's different smells that oil has. And God wants to give us a, a smell. The fragrance of Christ is that smell. Is it, that God really wants to rub into us the fragrance of Christ. That's part of what he's wanting to do right now. Okay, there's also this uh, flexibility properties that oil brings. You know, in the wine skin, if the wine skin is brittle, the oil makes it flexible again, makes it be able to stretch. God, we talk about God wanting to stretch us. How many have, have ever thought about that? You know, or heard teachings on it. Well, you can't be stretched if you don't have oil rubbed into you. You will pop and break, and the Lord doesn't do it. He won't pop and break you. He'll just leave you alone. That's really what He does. He'll just leave you alone. Uh, you don't want to be. Uh, you don't want what I'm doing. Okay, that's good because I don't want to destroy you. I don't want to bust you open. I don't want to lose the wine that's in you right now. So I'll leave you alone. I'll leave you as you are. So we need to be oiled by the Lord for flexibility. It has frictional properties also. Ask uh, Ask Donna Color about uh, motor, running a, a car engine without oil. <laughs> it don't last long. Motors don't let you did that. Motors don't last long without oil in them. You're not going to last long as a Christian without oil. You're going to seize up. Many of you are seized up this morning. I'm telling you, you're seized up. And the oil will unseize you. It also has heat properties. Uh, <clears throat> oil dissipates heat. Transformers. Many of the transformers you see up on poles are filled with oil because they're producing heat. And that oil in there is to dissipate that heat, to keep it from burning up, exploding. So oil has these, these heat properties to it. See, I know a lot of stuff about oil. And I, I know some stuff. Well, there's the health properties. I'm sorry about that. I'm not meaning to spit on you. I yell at you, but I don't want to spit on you. Health properties. Do you know they say the Mediterranean diet? Y'all know what the Mediterranean diet is? It's, they use olive oil to cook with it. And it's got beans and stuff in it. But they say it is the most healthy diet in the world, the Mediterranean diet, because of the olive oil that's in it. So you see, there's this healing properties, this health properties that God wants to bring to the body of Christ. I'm talking spiritual health. health. I'm talking physical health. I'm talking mental health. That we can have all that. Okay? And that's really what the Lord wants to do. Uh, he wants to release, He wants to rub us with oil. 
That's, that's really what he wants to do. And, and so he wants to, we want to soak in his presence, soak in, become salty, and then have him rub us with oil. And that prepares us for the revival that God wants to bring in the earth. That prepares us to be stretched. That prepares us for what God wants to do. So that's what God's doing right now. And you can enjoin yourself to what God's doing, or you can not do it. You, you, you get to choose it. Nobody's going to make you do it. Okay? Nobody's going to make you do it. But you'd be well advised to. I want to read to you this morning um, Mark 3. And I want to talk about getting the oil. And I'm going to tell you something. What happened to me the other night. This is an interesting thing that happened to me. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark 3, 1 through 6 is what I'm going to read to you. But Friday night, Becky and I stopped by the coffee shop in Cornelius. It's called Dilworth Coffee Shop. To have a cup of coffee to relax a little bit before we went down to the SOS meeting. When I went in there, there's a young lady who works in this coffee shop who goes to Morrisville Christian Academy. Actually, I didn't know she did the first time I met her in there. She was talking to me like she knew me. I said, where do I know you from? She said, I go to MCA. I said, really? I felt stupid because I'd never seen her there before. But uh, So I came in there this Friday, and she was in there, and I walked up to her, and I, she said, I missed you Wednesday. That's what she said to me. She, I spoke at the chapel Wednesday. I missed you. I heard you spoke at the chapel. I said, yeah, I missed you. Where were you at? She said, I was sick. I don't even know what this girl's name is, honestly. Kaylee. So I was sick and I had to go home. And I said, okay, good, you know. She said, uh, what'd you talk about? I said, I talked about the Holy Spirit. And when, she, when, uh, when I did, this girl who's with her looked at, looked at me, then she looked at Becky, then she looked at Kaylee, and then she looked back to me like, oh. And when she did that, and then Kaylee said, I heard it was good. I thought, you did? <laughs> I didn't hear it was good. In fact, I was mad when I left there because those kids were so sleeping in there on me. I got used to preaching to people who like to respond, man. I was preaching to them. They was like mad and miserable. Anyways, I went. I, that, the, look, that, the look that girl gave me really, you know, it was not a normal look. So I went and took my coffee and sat down in, in my seat, and this is the way I, only way I can describe it to you. When I sat down, I felt the Holy Spirit hit me on the side of my head. For some reason, he likes to mess with my head a lot. It seems like he's always hitting me on the head. I can pray for people, and it feels like, huh? I need it in the head, yeah. But he hit me in my head, and he said this to me. This is all I can tell you. In a flash of time, this is what he said to me. Okay? Everything I want to, these scriptures I want to share to you. But the bottom line is this. He told me this. Byron, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. I'm going to paraphrase everything I'm fixing to say to you. He said, you know, you need the Holy Spirit more than you need anything else because He always, always, always leads you to Christ. That's what He will always do. He will always lead you to Christ. So you have to be absolutely sold out to the Holy Spirit. That's what He said to me. You have to absolutely be sold out to the Holy Spirit. And anything he wants to do, because he'll always lead you to, to, to the Son of God. Always. That's what he does. He does that to sinners. He does that to Christians. So you know what? We can never, ever, ever overstate the Holy Spirit. Because you know what he's going to do? When we state him, he's going to say, yeah, here's the Son of God. Yeah, here's the Father. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? But he was a little agitated with me, I felt, in all this. Because I felt a seriousness to it. I felt a seriousness to what he was saying to me about the Holy Spirit. Because we've been enjoying the Holy Spirit in our church. You may not have any. <laughs> Some people don't enjoy it. You need to learn how to enjoy the Holy Spirit. Okay? <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is not a human being. So he comes the way he comes. He does what he does. And we respond the way we respond. Some of us yell, Wake up! <laughs> That's just a human being response to the Holy Spirit. And see, what God is looking for is people who will be real. Okay? That's what God's looking for, people who will be real with him. He don't like fake stuff. He don't like everybody acting the same. He doesn't like, well, this is the way you act here. No. That's not what he likes. 
He likes for us to respond to him. And if your response is silence, he loves it just as much as he does somebody who can, you know, jump 20 feet in the air. The key is, is being real with him and letting him be real with you. But I wanted to read this verse to you, Mark 3, 1 through 6. Are y'all good? It says, he entered the synagogue. We're talking about Jesus right now. Again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, everybody say anger. See, Jesus got mad. Okay? Being grieved, everybody say grieved, by the hardness of their hearts. Being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. It doesn't make no sense, does it, when you think about it? Like, you're going to kill him over killing a guy? Well, the church is the same way today. But I want to tell you something about the word grieve, and I'll read it, uh, you know, the classic. Grieve means literally to distress or sorrow. Okay? To distress or sorrow. And Jesus was grieved. He was distressed. The Holy Spirit in Jesus, actually, was in distress, was in sorrow because of the hardness of these people's hearts. Their hearts were hard. Because God had come in a way that they didn't expect Him to come. They had an idea about how the Messiah was going to come. And when He came, healing on the Sabbath, breaking all the laws, breaking all the rules, not coming the way they wanted Him to come, they had no place for Him. You hear what I'm saying to you? They had no place for the Messiah. Some of you don't have a place for the Holy Spirit to move the way He is right now in your heart. You don't have the paradigm for it. And that's, that's the, the tragedy of man. If you study the Bible, the tragedy of man, God always comes and people reject Him because they don't like the way He comes. They don't see, see it as being God. And so here are the people who were the great people of the day, the people who knew the Bible, the people who were the leaders, the religious leaders, the people who had been praying for the Messiah, the people who wanted the Lord to come, were wanting to kill him when he came. Now, don't think we're any different. Don't you think you're any different? Because we're no different. When the Lord comes, and many times it doesn't fit the way we think. Well, this is the way it... I've never seen this before. I've never seen God do this before. How can that be God? I mean, when you think about a thought like that, that is insanity, you know, because we're trying to, we're too small. Our brains are too small. It's a hardness of heart that we have. The church has got a hard heart. We have a hard heart. And that's why the Lord wants to soak our hearts, our wine skin, and He wants to rub this oil on it so we can receive Him, so we can see Him. And it takes humility initially for this to happen in your life. You have to accept humility. You have to humble yourself. Because if you don't, if you don't humble yourself, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this, if you don't continually humble yourself, ongoing basis, all the time, regularly, you will miss the Lord on an ongoing basis, regularly, all the time. It takes constant humility because He will completely defy your mind. He will completely do things that are contrary to your natural thinking. And you can sit there and watch the Lord move. You can see, sit there and watch the Lord touch people. In your mind, you can say, how can this be God? Even though you can hear 50 testimonies. I have seen over and over and over people get touched by the Lord. And I'm sitting there and thinking, how can this be the Lord? And they get up and they declare something that happened in their hearts. In the sand, I can watch another person and the same thought is in my mind. This makes no sense. How can God heal on the Sabbath? God wouldn't break the law. It makes no sense. Because He said don't do stuff on the Sabbath. How can He do something He said not to do? Think about it for a minute. So He was grieved. The Holy Spirit gets grieved about things. And what He was trying to tell me the other night is, Byron, I was grieved about things in your life. 
And I'm getting serious now. Andy said God wants to bring us to a new level. I think God wants to bring us to a serious level. Okay? He want, there's a seriousness that God wants to release towards us. I got this call yesterday from a friend of mine. He said, Byron, I heard the Lord's moving in your church. Tell me what's going on. Went on and on and on. He said, would you be willing to come with me and preach at this conference I'm going to do, me and a couple other guys? I thought, no, I don't really want to do that. I didn't say nothing. He said, no, listen. What the Lord's doing, if you guys, is these people want it to happen there. Would you be willing to come there and help them see it happen there? I thought, yeah, I would love to do that. I don't want to just go somewhere and talk about something that's not real in my life. But here's what the Lord's saying. Byron, this better be very real in your life. This better be very real in your life. It can't be just real on Sunday morning or Wednesday nights. It better be real all the time in your life. Yeah, because I'm going after things in people's hearts. I'm telling you right now, this is what God, He's going to go after some stuff in our hearts. He's going to go after some stuff. I promise you this. Those boys walking up that mountain here in a few weeks, I bet you the Holy Spirit's going to be walking up the mountain with them and going after some stuff in their hearts. You ain't going to go walk up some mountain somewhere. You're going to go be some missionary. You're going to go do something and think the Holy Spirit ain't going to get real with you. The Holy Spirit's very real about what He wants to do in the earth. And He ain't going to put up hardness of heart. Oh, we're going to go somewhere and preach and talk about the Lord moving. You are? Well, me and you got to sell some things then. Because there's some things in your life I don't appreciate. So we, we, we better get these things straightened out. Let's, let's get them straightened out. Let me read Ephesians. Are y'all with me? Y'all got kind of quiet on me. <laughs> this ain't, I'm not going to yell this one at you. <laughs> yeah, he, the Holy Spirit got serious on me the other night, man. I got, I got a little bit concerned about it. Um, Ephesians 4, 25 through 30. Everybody knows this. Therefore, put away lying. Okay, that's the first thing he says, lying. You know, we don't need to go preach online, but that's something the Holy Spirit doesn't appreciate. It grieves him. It makes him sorry. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. See, the Lord gave the emotion of anger because Jesus got angry. But he did not give permission to sin when you're angry. Okay? Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, there's this thing called seething hostility. Y'all heard about that where you have this stuff buried down inside of you. Anybody have that problem? And all of a sudden at strategic moments there's an explosion in your life. Well, it's because you've let the sun go down your, your wrath. There's things in your life that's not dealt with. And see, the Spirit of God knows about that. Okay? He knows about it. And those are the kind of things that make Him sorrowful. Those are the kind of things that distress Him. Because He wants to go inside your heart and get those things out of you. He wants to pull them out of you. Okay? Well, this don't sound like Holy Ghost rolling around on the floor stuff here, does it? <laughs> it is, though. This is what He does to people when they're rolling around on the floor, believe it or not. Hey, boy, you know what you're mad about? I'm getting it. Would you let me have it? <laughs> Honestly, He does do that kind of stuff. It's good. It's real good. <laughs> he says, uh, don't give place to the devil. I think really the line... The anger, the wrathful anger, gives, gives a place for the devil in your life. The devil has a door into your life. Uh, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, and that he may have something to give him who has need. That's pretty good. Evidently, had lots of stealers back in those days. We have lots of stealers in these days, and God wants to save them. God wants to fix them. God wants to change their life. God wants to make the, the takers to, and turn them into givers. That's what he wants to do. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in man's life. Uh, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt words. And, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, that's important. You know, we need to learn how to speak grace. The Bible says in Psalm 45, grace was upon the lips of Christ. That's really what God wants for us. And so the Lord will go after you about your words. 
not only the very words himself, how you speak the words, he'll start correcting you on it. And you need to hear him when he does it. Learn how to speak gracefully. It's, you know, it's not always easy to do. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, this is what we're talking about, is grieving him. You see, we want the Lord to build an altar here for revival. We want God to bring the fire of God here. He's saying, stop grieving me. You know, there's, there's grief in our individual temples, things that we do that grieve him. And there's, there can be grief in a corporate temple. Because if there's grief in individual temples, I promise you we're bringing that, that grieving thing into, in, when we gather together corporately because we're one in Christ. So the Lord is serious about this. He wants us to begin getting a repentant heart and begin to allow him to bring the oil into our life to help us with these things. He's real serious about them, very serious about them. He really wants this to, to happen. What we need to do is learn how to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where we don't feel, where the Spirit of God's not grieved in our life. I had a situation, <laughs> actually, it was the last time I played golf. <laughs> I had a fitful time on the golf course, so I slung the club a couple times. I was mad. I was <laughs> ranting and raving. I got home. This is what the Lord said to me because I was sitting down and I was going to pray. And I, where are you at, Lord? <laughs> you know, what happened to you? You were so good this morning. <laughs> where are you? And He said to me, Byron, I didn't appreciate your attitude out there today. That's what He said to me. And I thought, man, that's really the truth. I didn't really have a good attitude. And the Holy Spirit was grieved in my life over an attitude. The Lord wants to make us sensitive. So when, we, when the Holy Spirit, we sense it when the Holy Spirit's not near to us. We sense it when there's not that fellowship's not there. There's this brokenness in our, our relationship. And see, some of us, we've lived in a brokenness like that. We've gotten used to living like that. And the only time we sense God's presence is at a moment where we feel touched. You know, is that true in your life? Oh, you come to church, you may get touched in church, and hallelujah, and it's glorious. But then you go back to that place of unbroken fellowship, of a broken fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's really not what God's called us to do. I'm telling you, God's going to get serious with you. If God's going to move in your life, if God's going to have a revival, He's going to have a people who have unbroken relationship, unbroken fellowship with His Spirit. So he'll go after things in your heart. And you need to be willing. If you want revival, I'm talking personal revival in your heart. If you want revival in your family, if you want to see God move, if you want to see your dreams fulfilled, if you want to be a part of a church where the Holy Spirit's alive and there's fire in the church and there's a move of God in the church and people are going out to, to the nations or to, the, to our nation and seeing things happen, if you want that, you're going to have to get real with God. You're going to have to get real what's in your heart. And let him have his way inside of you. If there's things in you that grieve him, if you have hardness of heart, if you're a liar, if you steal, if you are mean, God is going to come after you. And I'm telling you today, it's a good thing for him to come after you. Because we want the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need to be willing to do whatever it takes. I don't like that television show. I don't need the Lord. It was my favorite show. <laughs> you know? I don't like it no more. Because guess what? When I watch it and I get through, where are you at? He didn't like it. He's, you know, out in the backyard, you know, kicking, kicking the ball around with the dogs. You know? You see what I'm saying to you? You want, this is what I'm talking about, rubbing the oil in. God wants to rub the oil into your hard, brittle hearts. My hard, brittle heart. Oh, yeah, I'm saying I'm sold out to the Lord. I'm going after God. And he's saying, Byron, there's things in you. I don't care what you say. There's things in you. You can say all that, but there's something in there I'm not appreciating. Let's, get, let's deal with it. All right, let's read First Thessalonians. Everybody good? This ain't no mean message, is it? That's a good message. This is a Holy Ghost message, believe it or not. This is a revival message, believe it or not. Yeah. This is what God wants to do in our lives. This is not bad. This is not, oh, you bad sinners. God's going to judge you and kick you out the door. No. 
It's like, oh, you guys, I want to help you. Because I long to fellowship with my people. I long to be near to my people. I long to show them things. I long to do things in their life. I want to do that, but I need to deal with you. I'll tell you this little story to you. So after we left the coffee shop, we went down to the... God, we got in there. Becky got all blasted by the Holy Spirit. But she was there enjoying Him. Okay, sitting there in the coffee shop. I was over all convicted. She was over all getting intoxicated. You know, you know, happy, laughing. People were talking to her, and she was sort of talking a little crazy to them, I thought. Some people are going to think you drunk, Becky. She was on the Spirit. So... What time is it? God, it's 25 after 7. The meeting starts in five minutes. We gotta, what are we doing? So we go down there and get in this meeting. And uh, they had this cool kid leading worship, man. He's with the calls. And he was just a guitar, and it was really good. But this one little boy was there. We prayed for him a couple weeks ago, Doug. You might remember that real short kid. We had a week before. This kid went and brought all his buddies with him. He got touched by the Holy Spirit and brought about 12 kids. I'm talking, yeah, it was a bunch of them. Kids. We're talking high school kids that came there hungry for the Lord. I think there are kids that are really hungry for the Holy Spirit to touch them. So we were sitting there, and I started having this vision. I want to tell you about this vision I had. I saw this water, and it was real blue. In fact, it was so blue, that was the first thing I said. That don't even look real, Lord. That's what I said to him, because of the color of it. He said, because it's heaven. It's from heaven. That's why it's not natural looking. It's, it's, it's a different color blue. I've never seen water that color blue. I've never seen anything that color blue. And then I said, okay. And when I said, okay, I saw the Lord standing in this water, up, just standing there. And he said to me, come down here. That's what he said to me. Come down here. So I said, I'm good with that, Lord. Now, this is all a, a vision in my mind that I was seeing. It wasn't like an open vision where this movie screen, but it was happening in my mind. It was real. So I go down to the Lord's feet. And when I see his feet, I'm thinking, man, your, your, your ankles and legs are, they don't look like I thought they would look. They look real human. They look real human, Lord. In fact, they're kind of pale looking in this water. They don't look like a, a Jewish guy's tough legs. They look like some guy who never wore shorts in his life and had real pale skin. That's what they look like. And the Lord said, if you just will continue humbling me yourself, you will see those fiery feet that the revelations talk about. But you're going to have to come and humble yourself right now to these feet, the way they look right now. And they don't look all that glorious right now. In fact, they look real human, real human. And see, a lot of what God initially does, it, it doesn't look glorious. It really doesn't look glorious. It looked like a pale-skinned guy, was, his legs were about the size of my legs, which are not very big legs. Okay, they're about that size. So you see how crummy that looks? Well, his legs didn't even look that good because they were pale looking. I thought, how can a Jewish guy have pale legs? You know, especially a Jewish guy who walked all his life. I'm about run out of time here, but but the the key is was was humility, was going into this blue water and getting at his feet. That's what the key was, is getting at his feet. It's what he was asking me to do. It's what he's asking you and I to do right now. So the next morning I get up, and I did in my heart, I'm at your feet. I'm good, I'm in. The next morning I get up and read my little daily devotional, which is Azusa Street. And this is what it said. Here at the beginning of 1907, we find ourselves at Jesus' feet. That's what it said. I thought, wow, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. A hundred years ago, 100 years ago, here at the beginning of 1907, we find ourselves at Jesus' feet. So I was really enjoying it because it was the Lord was saying, yeah, I'm just trying to tell you. And that was where I was supposed to be reading. I didn't lucky dip it or nothing. You know, that was my daily devotional. I was really enjoying the Lord and about being in His feet. Then I pulled up, picked up my little Max Licato, Greatest Moments of Christ, little book. I opened it up, just opened it. Guess what I opened to? It has a few pictures in it, not many. 
there was a picture, I should have brought it, of Jesus' what? Feet. That's what the picture was. And the Lord was saying, Byron, get at my feet, son. Yeah, get it. His feet's in the water. And you need to humble yourself. And you need to keep humbling yourself. If you want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to humble yourself about some of this stuff in your heart. You really are. You're going to have to humble yourself. It takes humility. It takes constant humility. You're going to have to get your paradigm about the Holy Spirit, about God. Listen, I, this is what I'm thinking. I want to tell you this. I know I'm, a, I'm a going over my time period. I've been, in a, I've been a Christian over 30 years. I've been in, quote, spirit-filled churches that whole time. I thought I knew about the Holy Spirit. Okay, because I've been around, you know, supposedly Holy Spirit stuff, and I did know something, but guess what? I'm finding out things today that I never knew about the Holy Spirit. It's like, I never knew you did stuff like that. I'm getting surprised by the Holy Spirit. See, some of us, we think we know already. And the Lord told me, Byron, you don't know nothing. You think in 30 years you're going to figure me out? You think there's, there, you know, because you've done studies on the Holy Spirit, you've got books on the Holy Spirit, you've heard countless messages on the Holy Spirit, you have preached countless messages on the Holy Spirit, and you think you know you are arrogant. Humble yourself and find out that He's more than you and I ever dreamed. And we can spend the rest of eternity and not really know Him. But He's asking us Christians to get in the water with Him. To get in His feet. Because He's more than you and I know. He's more. And if we are arrogant enough to sit there and say, Well, that's not what He did in 1978. Therefore, it can't be God. You are just messed up. And you're ruining your life. And you're going to run the life of your family. Because you need the Holy Spirit. Because He is the one who brings it all. I promise you I wasn't going to yell at you, but... we got to get it. I've got to get it. I've got to get it. I don't have it. That's what he was saying to me in that coffee shop. You ain't got it, Byron. You think you got it. You don't have it. <laughs> but He wants to give it to us. He wants to give us more. He's endless. He's got all these things that He does. Little things that you can't see with your natural eyes until you get around Him and start messing around and you realize, whoa, didn't know you did stuff like that. Didn't know you spoke like that. Yeah. And I also tell you this, Byron. You get up there and act up on that golf course one more time, you won't be back out there. Now, that's what he says, stuff like that. Because it's done. I'm not going to put up with it. You go tell that fellow you was with, you go and humble yourself to him and apologize to him. Because that man paid good money to go out there and not act, watch you act like a fool. <laughs> So we need to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's bigger and greater. All right, give me this one more thing, and then I'll let you go. I got to church late this morning, so I'm making up for being late. I'm sorry. First Thessalonians 5. Y'all okay? Because I want, Lord, I believe the Lord wants to do more. I really believe He wants to do more. I don't believe He's through. He's not through. He wants to keep moving. He wants to add. He wants to add. He wants to add. And he's looking for places where he can do that. He's not looking for places, well, I'm going to sweep through here and then I'm going to move on because they're not interested. Or they've got enough. Or they already know everything. Now they're too smart for me, so I need to move on. I don't want to be that way. No, Lord, I'm too dumb. Good gosh, I'm dumb, Lord. I don't know nothing. Whatever I thought I know, I don't know. We need to take that attitude. That's how you practically get at his feet. I mean, honestly. That's how you practically do it. And somebody asked me, the guy was asking me, what caused it? I said, the only thing I know is this. I don't know what causes the Lord to move. I just know humility has got to be the most important thing there is when it comes to God. 
if you would just keep humbling yourself. You know? And the Lord's obviously saying to me, you ain't humbling yourself. You ain't been humbling yourself recently, and you need to do it. First Thessalonians 5, 19-23. Do not quench the Spirit. All right, now we had grieve, now we got quench. All right. It means, quench means uh, to distinguish, to uh, extinguish. Help me, I'm done messed up. Extinguish. Like we're going to put this fire out, fire extinguisher. That's what quench means. Don't put the fire extinguisher on the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then he says, don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Some of you won't even test it. You won't test the waters. You've already made your test on it. It ain't what it was. It ain't good enough. It ain't God. You ain't tested nothing. You just stuck in your mind. That's not testing it. It's going to God. I'm going to find out if this is the Lord. I'm going to find out. So you just throw one person after the other after the other at you telling you testimony after testimony after testimony, and you still sit there. I'm not getting in that water. Now that's wrong, guys. I'm telling you it's wrong. It's wrong. You are extinguishing the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't do it. I beg you, don't do it. I beg you. The Spirit and the bride say, come. That's what it says. Like I said last week to you guys, I'm on better biblical ground right now than I ever have been in my entire life. That's the way I feel. Better biblical ground than ever. That doesn't mean I know everything. It just means spirit and bride say come. <laughs> That's what it says in the Bible. What are you going to do? Argue with it? Oh, God, no, it ain't what it means. It means something else. What does it mean? What can be different? He says, get drink the water. Get in it. Get in the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. Just do it. And quit thinking what you think. Because it doesn't help you. Oh, y'all think I'm crazy. Andy does. He knows it. Andy and Matthew, they know about me. All right, here's a great thing. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You know, the Holy Spirit's working about the God of peace, the Holy Ghost. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. So you get in a bad situation. Okay, and guess what the Holy Spirit does? Uh, tell you what I can do for you. I can cover you right now. Yeah, I can cover you right now. Right now. I got a protection for you. Just get in that peace, stay in there, let things go as they are. Don't be in the flesh, everything will be fine. And he'll do it. The Bible says the God of peace will guard your what? Hearts and minds in Christ. Now, God wants to do That's practical. That's every day. That's getting up and your boss yelling at you. <laughs> That's going to the church and some idiots yelling at you doing worship. It happens to be the pastor. Lord, I'm going to let the God of peace take care of me now because I want to slap that boy. <laughs> peace can protect us. The Lord wants to protect us. So what I want, my whole thing is I want us to hear this this morning. God wants us to have a corporate and personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always leads us to Jesus Christ. He always magnifies the Son of God. Therefore, we can't be Holy Spirit enough. Because every time we say Holy Spirit, He says, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, the Father. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? God wants to deal with the things in our hearts that are grieving Him and quenching Him. Now, you know what they are in your life. He'll show you what they are, trust me, if you'll let him. And when he does, just humble yourself. Get at his feet. Amen? That's, that's the story. Doug, you want to come up here? And I just, I felt like the, the Spirit said to me that Doug was supposed to come up here and help us transition today. 
Lord, I just ask you to help me, Lord, speak the truth. Yesterday in the morning I was reading Scripture and I just can't seem to get out of Isaiah 53 lately, but it says here in uh, verse 3 of Isaiah 53, it says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. when the Lord came into the temple and asked that man to stretch out his hand, he was despised, the Lord was despised for performing that miracle. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. The Pharisees themselves who had studied scriptures for centuries knew it front to back, missed the Lord when He came into the house. They missed Him. They despised Him. They despised the very Spirit of God that was in Him. The Lord asked me a couple questions yesterday morning. He says, If the Spirit of God is in you, Do you think men would despise that spirit? And I had to say, yeah, Lord, I think they probably would. Then he said to me this other question. He asked, if you see the Spirit of God in someone else, will you despise the Spirit of God in them? When you see the Lord manifest Himself in a way that's unfamiliar to you that you don't understand, are you going to despise it in your heart when the Lord comes and does something and changes a person's life and it doesn't look right to you? Are you going to despise it? When the Spirit of God comes, when He comes on me, I do some things, you know, that are really strange. (laughs) And I have to understand, you know, Lord, to the world it looks silly. And men are going to despise me. But Lord, I don't care! I don't care about being despised of men. Because, Lord, you were despised. And that's our inheritance. Verse 10, it says, But the Lord God was pleased to crush him. To crush him. The Lord God was pleased to crush him. Putting him to grief. Do you think the Lord would be pleased to crush you? Do you think He'd be pleased to crush your flesh? You think He'd be pleased to put you to grief? But it says, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in your hand if you're willing to make yourself a living sacrifice. Irregardless of what men think. If we can become a living sacrifice. If we would render ourselves as a guilt offering for others. We will see His offspring. We will prolong 
our own days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in our hand. It's God's good pleasure to do whatever He wants. It's His good pleasure. And I just ask you, in your hearts, don't despise what God is doing. Don't despise it. Because it pleased God to crush Christ. To crush Him. That we might live with Him eternally. Father, we just ask You, Lord, today that we would not in our hearts despise whatever it is You desire to do. Lord, we pray that You would come in any way You desire to come. We pray, Lord, that You would do anything You desire to do because, Lord, we know in our hearts if You do it, it's good. It's good, Lord. It's good. So I just... I think, you know, if you desire to come forward today and, and have that, that, despi- that despising heart transformed into one that would accept what the Lord wants to do, that you wouldn't have this attitude of being a Pharisee anymore and despising when the Lord wants to come into His house and heal and to change a person's life irregardless of what it might look like regardless of what your paradigm is come forward today and receive from the Lord come forward today and receive come forward today and receive receive yeah we just like to pray for some people today so if you just like prayer ministry today we just invite you to come and just Soak in the river today some more. Just a good opportunity. Mm, thank you, Lord.